Hey, um, we're going to um, transition this morning from looking at the God of self to killing the God of self. And so at your tables, you will have one of these booklets, which are in between the coffee cups. And I want you to grab one of these, because this is what we're going to be going through over the next few weeks, where we look at how do we get released from this nature that might still be living within us, which binds us and controls us from truly being able to be in Him and then live with Him and for Him. And constantly throughout the Scriptures, you know, you see things like the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. There is a desire that we want to be able to live the way we're instructed to live, but somehow we get in the way of this ability to be able to do this. And we need to know what the gospel is and the continuous gospel that continues to birth his life within us. Because if we're not in his version of the gospel, then we're in our version of the gospel and our version of the gospel keeps us in us, but his version of the gospel keeps us in him and then we are growing, going from strength to strength. Amen. And so that's the gospel we need. And I think this morning will be quite revealing. Um, especially as we go through the comparison of his gospel versus the gospel of man, the gospel of revelation versus the gospel of information. And so often we want to acquire information through the human mind of understanding even the original languages and the original texts, which is nothing wrong with those things. But if we're not receiving revelation upon revelation, going from faith to faith, then we're really going nowhere. We just have a whole lot of information that we know, but that knowledge isn't changing us because as we've looked at over the 11 years, there were two trees in the Garden of Eden, weren't there? In fact, there were more than two trees. There was a whole range of trees, but there were two specific trees. There was a tree of life or the tree of revelation, and then there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know that Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of partaking of the tree of knowledge of life, of revelation. And so she was stuck, and then she passed that on to Adam, who also partook, and both of them fell out of fellowship with God, fell out of unionship with God, the very thing they were created to be in and were in, they fell out of just like us. So how do we get back into this fellowship, the spiritual oneness with Him and one another? It's through the gospel. And so often we just go, yes, I agree with the words of the gospel. Mentally, I make a mental decision. I go, yes, and I then stay the same. The gospel has changed me. I got a confession this morning. I never wanted to be a Christian. I'm not sure about you. I never wanted to be a Christian. I was not grown up in a Christian household, a Christian home. I wanted to live for me. I wasn't interested in living for God and doing the things that God wanted me to do. I wanted to be God of my own life, and I wanted to determine my own life. And so Christianity was irrelevant to me. Christ was irrelevant to me. You know my story over 10 years. I'll use God and get me out of a jam, but I never wanted to be a Christian, and then I collided with love. (laughs) See, I was on a collision course, but I just didn't know it because I'd been Hey, it's the Hewitsons, sorry. <laughs> They're trying to sneak in and they uh, just exposed them. You want to play? Hey, mate, feel free, mate. <laughs> oh, just don't let Paul join you, okay? He's getting excited there. He's <laughs> and so I was on a collision course, but I didn't know it because I'd been predestined to know him and to know who I was in him, but I didn't have that knowledge. And I ran into a person. I ran into love. There was a collision course in 1997 where love invaded my world. And when I say my world, I don't mean here. I mean here and here. And there was a smashing and a breaking because that's how powerful love is. You see, I ran into a person. I ran into a revelation of the person and it brought the gospel alive. It brought the reality of God alive and everything he'd done alive within me. And I found myself with an ability to now live something that I wasn't interested in before. I'm not sure where you're at with this reality of truly receiving 
Jesus Christ that enables you to live a Christ-like life as opposed to saying yes to truths but not actually being able to live. That's not the gospel. It might be a mental understanding and a mental agreement with what Jesus did, but that's not the person, and that's not living from the person. And so if you haven't already, let's go to page one. The gospel of transformation. See, this is what the gospel does. It transforms. Isn't that the entire point of being a follower? To be made into the image of God. What for? So then I can live as God lived. I'm not God, but I need to live a Christ-like life. The purpose of the gospel is to enable and empower me to be the demonstration of Christ on this earth. A Christ-like follower, a son like the son was who is growing into the maturity. So it says in 1 John 4, 17, 18, as Christ was on this earth, so am I. That's a challenge and a half, isn't it? So the God of self cannot exist if that person is going to come forth. The God of self will prevent me from becoming that very person. If my will is still living and hasn't been crucified, I will never become the fullness of the image of Christ I've been called to become. I will get in the way of that reality. And we like to say things like, God will perfect the work he started and then nothing happens. Like God will perfect the work that he has started within you if he's done that work. But if that's just a mental agreement going, yeah, God's done a work, then nothing's happening. So it's not enough just to say stuff. It's not enough just to say and quote this unless you're living in it. You see, Paul and everyone writing this has written from a living, transformational experience. You can't read this and claim this for you unless you're in the reality that these men and women were in. You can't just say, oh yeah, I'm in this and I'm in this and I'm in this and I've been raised up with Christ and I've been seated in heavenly places unless you have. It's false. It's all in vain. It's empty words. You have to live this to be able to say this. Knowledge comes from revelation, not from understanding. You see, you actually receive the reality of God, then you have knowledge. Outside of that, you don't have living knowledge. You're just vain imagination trying to learn stuff, but you can't live. So if you can't live, you don't have. See the challenge? Because that's so opposite to probably everything you've been taught. As Tess just said, the kingdom of God is upside down from the human perspective, but it's the right way up from his. So how do you go from being back to front and upside down? The gospel. So the gospel performs on itself. It does what it says it does. I am the recipient of the reality of God. I don't work. I step in, but I don't work. End times. Do you believe we are in the end times? Good, because I started 2,000 years ago. <laughs> Do you believe we're in darker days than what we were 10 years ago? Okay. This is my personal conviction. The church that will stand the darker the days get are the church that truly have the gospel. It won't be what you can quote. It won't be what you think. It won't be what you can sing. It'll be whether you actually have Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the only thing that's going to enable us to stand when everything around us is going. So when our incomes are gone, when the food is gone, when the housing is gone, what are you going to have? Who are you going to have? If you do not have what I'm going to preach and we've been preaching here for 11 years, you will be the house that gets taken out. Now, that may be the opportunity for you to actually receive the gospel for the first time. That would be good news, wouldn't it? So, let's have a look, eh? 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. This isn't in, as always, the notes. I've got to be consistent. <laughs> 
1 Corinthians 2, 2. So write it in maybe where it says, what gospel have we received? That's the question the Holy Spirit wants to ask you today. What gospel have you received? Paul said in this in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The great apostle Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you but two things. One, the person, and the person crucified. Now, when you take the entirety of the context of 1 Corinthians 2, it's amazing what the man is saying, because who used to be Paul? Who was he? Saul. Now, who was Saul? The Pharisees among Pharisees the Hebrew of Hebrews, this man was growing in the Torah, was he not? This man was growing in Judaism. He was going beyond his counterparts. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was like the man of the man, if you want to say, in Judaism. Now, this man, who was full of pride, full of the God of self, had a collision course with love, did he not? And all of a sudden, now all that knowledge that he thought he had, which was of God, he now says it's nothing compared to Christ, Christ crucified. This is the doorway to life. Like this is no small declaration from the man that thought he was the man, who others thought he was the man, who others bowed down to and laid their jackets. He was like condoning the death of Stephen. This is some guy who's saying, I have got it completely and utterly wrong. (laughs) And then he says, man, I determined to know nothing outside of Christ and Christ crucified. Don't you love the simplisticness of God? Complexity is the enemy of simplicity. And man, do we complicate everything. So, what gospel have we received? We're going to go through and look at the gospel of transformation or the gospel of information. And after today, we're going to look at Galatians 1 and use Paul as an example Because Paul was the guy that said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Amen? So whose book is it? Whose book is this? Right. So God is very comfortable letting Paul write either the most arrogant statement you could actually write down or the most humble one, correct? Like what have I said to you? Imitate me as I imitate God. Good answer, Danny. Yes, Greg. Is Greg starting a cult? No. Like, have we got the humility of heart to actually even receive that? Or are we so full of ourselves, we go, (gasps) heresy. Aren't we all supposed to be imitating Christ, imitating Paul, imitating, not copying, but actually looking at one another and helping one another and gleaning from one another because maybe someone else we're walking with is in more of Christ than the other? Because we've gone through this door called Christ crucified through power, not through our own individual ability to understand anything, but just receiving pure power because you get to the end of yourself because you have a collision course with love. And all of a sudden now you find yourself able to live something you couldn't live before and you've actually got a reference for your former manner of life. Isn't that what Paul said in Galatians? I actually have a reference for my former manner of life, and now I have a reference for my new life. Like, do we have a reference for our former manner? Or is being raised in Christianity all you've ever known? Which may be nothing. It may just be raised with principles and the message, but not the messenger. Which is the first point. Do you know the person of the gospel, or do you just know the principle? Like, what's your fellowship with? The principle, the words on the page, or the person himself? Like, if I told you to throw your Bible away, can you still have a relationship? I hope you can. Because what happens if they torch all the Bibles and you can't have a Bible now? Well, that's okay, because I got the real deal. I got the person. 
I don't need a book. I got the person. I got the spirit. He's become my teacher. He's teaching me all things with or without the book. It's irrelevant. He's the guy because he's the word. So do you have the person or just principles? Do you have the messenger or just the message? You see, Paul had the message and it got him all skew-iffy, didn't it? And then when the messenger turned up, he went, oh my goodness, I've been missing the entire thing. And this gospel has come alive because I received the person, not words or the message. Number one. What about number two, word or words? The reality is all these things are the same thing. So there's about 12 things, but they're one thing. So once again, who is the word? The word is the messenger. The messenger is the word. The word is the truth. The truth is the person. So did I just make a mental agreement with words? Do you believe this, Greg? Jesus died and rose for your sin. Yes, I did. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's no power in that. If it's just a mental agreement, or was it the word came alive when I heard, I got pierced to the heart, I died, and I got born? Like, what happened? And you know the difference between the two when you make a mental agreement to when you don't make it a living conviction of the heart because what's on the outside comes in and pierces your heart, and now you're alive. And you've got a reference for the former manner that you never had. And this is the other one between being raised in Christ or just raised in Christianity. Ticking boxes, doing things, but that's the outside of life within you. Power or intellectual agreement, mental agreement. Paul said, man, your faith better not rest on man's wisdom. Like it better not be resting on your ability to understand all the words. If it is, you're in trouble. You're not going to know nothing. You'll say you'll have faith, but that's blind faith. So you'll say, I'm living by faith, but you're not living by faith at all because faith knows. And so power versus just mental agreement or human intellectualism in studying original languages. Not wrong, but they don't bring you into life. They don't enable you to love like God, which isn't that the first commandment that every one of us is to be able to do, is to love like heaven? Because the Word is circumcising man's heart, transforming man's heart, and then enabling man to live like God. Not because man's trying, but man just lays his life down as the recipient because of God's mercy. That's the gospel, guys. That's the true gospel. There's plenty of man's versions of gospel. Another gospel Galatians talks about. And one comes with really eloquent words and you believe it and you beautifully accept it because it sounds amazing to the mind. It's just powerless. Like there's no power that enabled you to live something you couldn't live. So when your enemy hates you, because love's not giving cookies to your neighbor. Love is when you're hated, you're able to love your enemy. Like it says, even the sinners love like that. That's not the standard of love, just being good to people. It's when people hate you, when they come at you, when they lie about you, when they actually hoodwink you, when they rip you off, when they do all these things. Can you love? When the behavior is not lovable, that's the standard that he's talking about when he says, love one another as I love you. Anyone can give cookies away. Anyone can mow lawns. Anyone can raise money and feed the poor. The non-Christians do that. So you weren't talking about a standard that is not earthly, it's eternal. And so only the gospel brings you to that ability to live that eternal because that's what separates the church from everybody else. We're to be aliens, aren't we? Aren't we supposed to be sojourners, strangers on the earth? Well, are we? Like, are we? Or do we look exactly like our neighbors? The gospel confronts you. I was seized by Jesus. Bang! It's like, oh, what was that? It's me. Who are you? Isn't that what Paul asked on the road? Is that you, Lord? Who is it? Who do you say I am? Why does he ask that question? It's easy to ask the question, isn't it? Answer it. It's easier to give a mental agreement of that, isn't it? 
If I asked you who Jesus was, you'd all say he's the Messiah, wouldn't you? But are you still far from the kingdom? Answering the question's not it. Anybody, a non-Christian can read the book and know he was the Messiah. Answering the questions isn't it, guys. The question is a means towards the reality of God. He said, you're not far from the kingdom. You've answered intelligently. So answering the question and getting it right is not the point. The point is, are you in the life that sits behind the answer? Anybody can answer the question, but not everybody can live the reality of the answer they give. Wishing to justify himself out of the answer he gave. Like, why does he want to do that? Because he's confronted with the reality of, oh my goodness, I can't even live that out. So I want to get myself out of that to the thing I can do and keep. Only the gospel can take you to the place that you know that you can't live this out without his power, the person in you. So what we do is, because we know we can't do that, we try to figure out what we can do. And we sabotage our own lives. And we walk away because the reality of the gospel, which comes to crucify Jesus and Jesus crucify, is a dynamic that we don't like because the God of self is still very much alive and well. He knows he's going to get nailed. What you have to be able to do is separate who you're born to be and this thing that's living in you. Because you've been predestined to be a son of the Most High God, but not just in principle, in your life the way you live. So before I ever had a chance to fall, I was predestined to be formed into the image of Christ. I just didn't know it. Now that doesn't just mean, great, I'm getting formed of the image. That means I live from the reflection and the expression of Jesus in me. If I'm going to be conformed into the image of the sun, then the reflection of the sun is going to come out of me and the expression of the sun is coming out of me. It's not just, yeah, thank you, and Greg keeps coming out of me and Greg lives as he's always lived. That's churchianity. That's not enough. That might get you justified by blood, but that's not enough to live the life of a son. And the standard is maturity, isn't it? It's not just going to heaven, guys. It's maturity because there is an inheritance that awaits, covered and crucified, not just covered. You've got to get covered and crucified. We've talked about this. It's no longer good just being a bystander. You've got to be a partaker. You can't just stand there at the cross going, that sucks for him. Because what happened to them? Downcast, Correct. After the cross, went back to fishing. Were they supposed to be back in fishing? Where were they supposed to be? In Galilee, waiting for who? Him. Waiting for Christ to come back, but then not. Why? He says, you know what? If you loved me, you'd be happy that I go away. Well, they weren't happy, which proved they didn't love him. They're in their version of love, but not in his version of love, because their behavior was completely opposite to what he said is yours, is mine. Our behavior is the true demonstration of the true gospel we actually have received. Man, that's convicting, Greg. It needs to be, Greg. You need to feel the weight of this conviction so then you turn, smack on the ground, called repentance, get up and start living the life you were called for because you've been released and rescued and set free from the God of self. He is a strong man that lives in every human being. And until he is dealt with being crucified, he lives and he will control you. He's demonic. Now you can be covered, but you've got to get crucified. Like, dong dong, dong dong, dong dong, and then dong dong, dong dong, dong dong. Revelation versus proclamation. 
Man, we love to proclaim stuff. It's revelation. It doesn't say on the proclamation of Jesus Christ, Paul got the gospel. It says on the revelation. It doesn't talk about proclamation. It talks about revelation upon revelation upon revelation, doesn't it? See, we've created this proclamation. We say if we say it loud enough, if we scream it, if we jump up and down, if we stand on our head, somehow we'll come into this stuff. How are you going with that? Same with memorization. If I memorize it, if I memorize it, if I memorize it, then I proclaim it, or I proclaim it. How are you going with that? No, it's man's. It's, it's teaching of demons, man. It's doctrine of demons painted up as Christianity. It's not. It's stupidity. You won't find that in here. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I marinate in the Scriptures. I marinate myself in them. I speak them when I read because I read aloud because it says faith comes from hearing. But I'm not going, I'm trying to proclaim them, I'm trying to proclaim them, I'm trying to memorize them. I say, Holy Spirit, reveal them. Bring them to life because you're in me to write and engrave on my heart and my mind the word that I'm eating. I don't read it, I eat it and drink it because of the person I know, not principles. So it's revelation over proclamation. We talk about partaker versus bystander. What about relational versus transactional? I'm here to get. This is a transactional relationship. Man, that's sad. What about it just being a purely based on fellowship? Love. If you got nothing, are you all good with that? It'll test you as to whether you're actually still in the use me and the give me phase. Like if you never got anything again, are you all good? Because you got him. Because the gospel you're in is relational. It's not transactional. I'll do this, you give me that. What's that? That's horrible, isn't it? Because what happens when the other part doesn't perform? Oh, I'm going to get another relationship. This is how we treat one another, though, isn't it? This is how marriages exist. It's all transactional. You give me sex, I'll give you this. You give me that, I give you that. You give me this, you give me that. That's not a relationship that's going to last five minutes. Christ or cause. What about that one? Are you all about the cause or all about the Christ first? Like, what happens if you couldn't do any more cause? Like, if you're in an accident and you can't actually do anything, are you still going to be about Christ, or is it all about the See? Someone doesn't want to know, eh? So which one? Too many Christians are all about the cause. Why? Because they haven't died and their relationship's not based on fellowship. It's based on what I do. Because my identity, my sense of purpose, my meaning, my accomplishment is all based on what I do because I'm still a child. I'm actually a slave even though I'm a son because I need to earn my way because I'm still full of legalism on the inside, which is the only difference between love and legalism is legalism tries, love just is. And so I'm trying because my identity isn't in God and it's not in who I am, it's in what I do. So I'm all about the cause, but I'm supposed to be all about the Christ and out of being all about the Christ, then There'll be a cause that I live with and for. This is how you walk away from God. This is how the Ephesians left Jesus. When he says, there's one thing against you, you've left your first love. You leave it for my cause. But I can't do anything, I read, apart from him. So why would you do that? Because you don't know him. Spirit or the Scriptures? Which one's first? 
I'll tell you right now, if you don't know the Spirit, this will be number one. But this without the Spirit is you come up with your version of it. You get your version of the gospel without the Spirit. In the beginning was the Scriptures or the Spirit? Because the Spirit is who? God. So in the beginning was God. So if God's not number one, seek first God. Otherwise, the Scriptures will be all gobbledygook because you'll be trying to understand them through your mind. You search the Scriptures, Pharisees, thinking in the Scriptures you're going to have eternal life, but you're unwilling to come to the one who's in front of you who is eternal life. You willingly and actually make a choice of your mind to reject me. You and I can do exactly the same thing. Do you think they knew they were rejecting their Messiah? No. They did not think they were rejecting their Messiah because they did not believe he was the Messiah. Correct? Do you know you can do that? You can reject the Word of God that's going out because you don't hear it and your reference point for it is you're trying to understand it through your mind, so you reject it. It was the food for you. You've just rejected the Word of God, which came to change you. Well done. That's right. You are no different to that Pharisee. Are you calling me a Pharisee? Well, if you're operating from the operating system of that spirit, then yes, because a Pharisee is not someone that wore funny clothes. It's a spirit. It's an operating spirit called the spirit of pride, the flesh, and it always rejects God. The problem is it doesn't know it does it. So if this is about a gospel of transformation and the word's going out and I'm not being transformed, then the challenge is two things. I may not be hearing it or I may be rejecting it. And the God of self will always reject the word. Why? What does the word come to do to the God of self? Crucify him, kill him. He's quite crafty. So, spirit of scriptures, in Christ, in Christianity, he is the source or self is still the source. This is a biggie, eh? I live, move, and exist in Him. Colossians 3 verse 4 says, He is the source. Have I just invited Him on? Have I added Jesus onto and into my life like I would any other accessory? Or is He my life? They sound similar, eh? Do you know they're nothing like one another in the way they live? Nothing like one another. One's called incorporating Jesus in through mental agreement. The other one is actually having you removed and him coming in as your brand new source through power. And so now you have the ability to do and live things you couldn't do before. Not because you're smart, not because you figured it out. It's the opposite. It's because you actually died and came to the end of trying. Hebrews 4.10 says, those who enter into his rest cease from their works. Now, that is not doing. That means the operating system that's in all of us when we're born, that ceases the day I enter into his rest. Who is Sabbath rest? So I've just come right back to the same thing, aren't I? Let's not confuse it. It's just about being in Jesus. Because Jesus is all these things, isn't he? Humility or pride, kingdom or empire building. Seek first your empire. Build it well so when I turn up I can destroy it. Do you know when you're born you're building your empire, correct? You have your own dreams, don't you? It's your empire. Oh, I want to get married by the time I'm 25. I want to have three and a half kids. Uh, I want to do this. I want to travel the world. I want to have a home. I want to have a picket fence, maybe a holiday home, maybe a boat. That's empire building. Going to be an accountant. Going to be what? Your empire building. That's what we do because we're not of the kingdom, correct? So we're of the kingdom of darkness and we build our own empires. I was building mine for 29 years. The only problem with my empire, it sucked. I thought it was good. I'm the man. Look at this. I'm popular. I can play sport. I can do any sport. I'm popular, man. I've got friends. got a good family. 
got a good job, I don't need God. And all of a sudden, one day, it all starts crumbling. Bit of pressure, bit of poking, it's not as quite as strong as what you think it is. And all of a sudden, now your empire is starting to do this. You're like the buildings in the Wellington earthquake about 45 years ago. And then, and you realize that you were building your own empire for 29 years. Not so flash now, is it, Greg, when it's all over the ground? How cool are you now, son? Oh, not that good. <laughs> and love is still there. This is what blows your mind, is love is still there. Even though you gave him the finger, even though you lied, even though you said something you never lived, he's still there. Like, who are you? You're not the message. You're not principles. You're not about songs and dance and all that. You're the person. Have you met the person? He will change your life. Man, I am not the same guy that broke at 29. I am a brand new creature. I can do things I never dreamed of doing, but not in my ability. In the Christ that's being formed and built in me. Because the God of self died that day. The enmity in me was removed which enabled me to lay hold of. And I've been laying hold of him, and he's laying hold of me, and it is this union, it's this beautiful communion of oneness. It's the whole point behind becoming one. If you haven't registered, man, be here. Wisdom of God, wisdom of man. Listen to this. The gospel of transformation is a gospel of experiential living knowledge, testimony. We think our testimony is the day we receive Christ, don't we? That's, you know, that's the start of testimonies. And we confuse our lifestyle with our testimony. So we go, I don't have a testimony because we're thinking I don't have this really bad lifestyle. And you mess it up. No, no. You're a sinner, born a sinner, dead in sin and iniquity. If you tell me you don't have a testament, it's because you don't know how amazing he is. You have no reference for your state before Christ because all you've got is a mental agreement of a person that you may have been raised up in, but you don't know who you were without him. So that's going to impact your life for him because in view of God's mercy, you go, mercy? What do you mean, mercy? I'm not that bad. Why? Because I didn't have that lifestyle like that Simnor. Well, that's irrelevant. It's not based on lifestyle. It's based on your dead and sin and iniquity, your evil nature, and you're destined to hell. And you can't get out of that. You stink now, but God, in view of his mercy, saved you. So we all have a testimony. If you don't know that, then you've got to come into that reality because you're outside of life. And so when you share it with Christians, they'll go, are you just telling about a dude that died on a cross? And I know you don't even really know him. Because I need to see life. I need to see the testimony of the work that he's doing in you. I need to see light. As a non-Christian, I wasn't interested in the music songs. I didn't need music. I didn't need relationship with people. I didn't need that. I had all that. What I needed was saving. I needed love, light, life. And so do you. So do you know who you weren't? Because I tell you right now, it really impacts who you're becoming. And it actually is a major motivator for never going back there. Because you realize it was dead in something. You see, we've made all the cross all about sin rather than value. That is so sad. When you don't know Christ, you make the cross about sin, not value. So what comes out of your mouth? Sinners, 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 sinners. Are we all sinners? Yes. Is that the main point of the cross? No. Man, we're always taking what's about fourth on God's list and making it number one. And so we elevate the wrong things. What have I told you the cross was about your value? 
and his value towards you because he valued you so much. He had to send the most valuable person to him, which is his son. Like, would you give your son or daughter for people that don't love him or them, who hate them, who when they're up on that cross for mankind, swear at them, point in the finger and abuse your child? Would you give? It's about your value, guys. But if we don't know our value, then we're going to focus on the wrong thing. So this gospel is a gospel of transformation through experiential living knowledge based on the power of God, the living transformational testimony of the work of Christ, the corresponding actuality of Him in us and through us, the kingdom expression built on the pattern of the eternal. The gospel of information is a gospel of theoretical knowledge. Theory based on an intellectual understanding or mental agreement of the Scriptures, mere creedal affirmation. That's where you're happy to go yes and not live a life. So you're happy to just agree with what it says, but you don't come into the agreement in Christ and start living as Christ lived. You give it a mere creedal affirmation. It's tick, it's accurately correct. Yes, I agree with that, I believe with it, but I'm not changed by it. That's a gospel of information. Religious institutional system or model built on the patterns of earth. So what gospel have you received? When you go down those lists, can you relate to those things there? Which one do you relate with more? We need to know this, and this is not to condemn anybody because there's no condemnation in Christ. It's to awaken us to the reality of who the gospel really is and what he came to do so then we can get on board with living the lives that we were called to live. That's why we do everything. Otherwise, we're outside of a reality. We are justified by his blood, but we're not crucified by his blood. And so we can't live this life we're called to live. But we can do many things in our own ability and strength, can't we? And you can even walk on water and still have the God of self-living, so you still can't enter into the fullness of life, even though you're doing what He asks you to do through His name, which is power. So the question then comes, do I want to be complete in Christ or just covered? And the choice is yours because He doesn't make you choose one or the other. He says the options are is stay lost and you'll spend your eternity in hell. That's an option, isn't it? It's not the option the Father wants for anybody, but people choose that because they reject the offer. People say, why does God reject people? I say, God has never rejected anybody. We reject God. Second option is you receive Christ, Romans 9, 10, and you believe in what he did, and you're saved. You're covered by blood. So if you stand before him, he's covering you with the nature of his son, correct? That's awesome. That's cool. But that's the beginning. So you may live your entire life like a Christian like that, and you will be in eternity with God, but you'll be outside of living an eternal life now. You won't know how to love. You won't know how to be. You won't know how to abide. You won't know how to actually be Christ-like. Like you won't walk in the manner in which Christ walked. So when people offend you, you'll get offended. When people say things against you, you'll get hurt. When they come at you, you actually don't want to do. The armor's not there, so you'll probably get taken out. When pressure comes, external pressure, the times we're in, you'll be freaking out. You'll be worried. You'll be anxious about many things. You'll be like, oh, am I going to cope? How am I going to cope? You're still crucified, you're still, sorry, covered, but you're not crucified, so you can't live. You can't stand in the storm and go be still. And even if it doesn't be still, you're still here. Because peace is here, doesn't matter what's happening here. So you're like the disciples in the boat who freaked out when peace was actually sleeping. And peace who created the creation because the creator spoke to the creation and said, be still. So when the creator speaks to the creation and the word goes in, the creation is able to be still like the creator. This is what I'm talking about. This is the journey we've been on for quite a while now to actually come into this eternal reality because I'm covered 
crucified and now I'm being made complete, which is Colossians 1, which is the entire purpose of Paul's ministry, was to present the church complete in the Son. And then there's this age to come. But if I'm in the informational gospel, I've got no chance. Absolutely no hope if that's my gospel. So I have to what? I've got to repent. I need a brand new way of thinking and being. When I say repent, I've already repented of my old life if you're covered, correct? So you're not saying forgive me of that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the brand new life that I want to enter into that I have no reference for. Like, Greg, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about today. That's okay. But don't write it off. And don't try to understand it in your head because you can't. The only way you'll have oneness with what I've said if you've received what I've said and then the Holy Spirit's renewed your mind to it, then you'll be jumping up and down on the inside going, preach it, man, preach it, preach it, yes, yes, yes. So we've got to leave and walk into a territory we have no reference for. And God has been starving this position. Deuteronomy 8. I'm taking you out of Egypt, and I'm going to pop you into a new land, and you know what? There's no food there from there. And I do it to test what's in your heart. I humble you to see if you will actually leave all you know, safety, security, incorporated Jesus, and walk this way. Not on your own, with me and with one another. And all those who do will receive. All those who seek me with all their heart will receive this gospel of power, personhood. Keep playing if you want to. He's always asking us and giving us opportunity, is he not? Because that's how good he is. Why does he do that? Because he died for you and I to receive everything he died for. So then the challenge comes to, I want everything that he died for me to have. So then it comes back on me, doesn't it? It comes back on you. And the amazing thing is, is this freedom of choice. And you can say no today and yes in six months. You can say no today and say no in five years' time. And just like for me, God will never leave you. He's in you. He'll never leave you. He just waits for you. But the challenge is, the longer the time goes on, you may not have that time. Like I was just watching a bit of the football this morning and the European champs were on and there's this player called Christian Eriksen. Like the guy's like 33, playing for Denmark. Stopped, had a heart attack, right in the middle of the field. Died. They rushed on, they've done CPR, he's alive, he's gone to hospital. Do you think he knew that was going to happen when he started that game? This is a 33-year-old guy that's fit. Like he's a, fo- he's a professional football player playing for his nation. He's a very good footballer. He has no idea he's running onto that park and in whatever minute he's going to have a heart attack and be dead. That could be me and you. So as much as God waits, we don't actually have a lot of time. It's that tension, isn't it? Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow may never come. Or it may come and it may be another 80 years. I don't know. But I don't want to take that gamble. You might, I don't. So if this is speaking to you, I'm just going to invite you to stand. And I just want to pray. And if it's not, then just stay seated because God only responds to conviction of heart. He doesn't respond because we're feeling guilty or bad. He responds to the conviction of the heart. Thank you, Lord, that you have this kingdom reality for us, which is your son. Thank you that in the son is life and life alone. 
God, I am saying I'm not satisfied with who I know today. I'm not satisfied with the position I'm in with you, Lord, even though it's an amazing one. I want more because you say I don't yet know as I ought to know. And your own son said, I've made your name known, my father, so they can have the love with which you love me within them. God, I want that love more and more and more than so I can live this life of love and know that out of love comes all things because love never fails. It's pointless if I move a mountain by faith, Lord, and don't have love. It's pointless if I lay my life down and offer it up as a false burnt offering if I don't have love. If I don't have the substance of you in me, and that's growing, being perfected in love, then I'm not abiding, which means I can't live the life I'm called to live as a son. I'm going to live as a slave, even though I was a son. So we're responding to what we've heard today, God, your word. We know we can't do it. We know we can't change ourselves, but we can respond to what we've heard. And we can start crying out from the depths of our innermost being and screaming towards heaven because we're made aware today of a reality that we may or may not be actually in. But you want to bring us into this reality through the power that raised your son from the grave to life. Father, we want to have fellowship with your resurrected power. We want to know you. We want to know the power that raised him from the grave. We want to have communion with the person, not a bit of bread and not a bit of juice, not a principle or a ceremony or a tradition, but the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, we're here for you to circumcise the heart to bring light and life into the mind, to release us from ourselves, to define our feelings, God. Because every promise is yes and amen. Every word, every word you say is yes and amen. And if I would hear, and if I would believe, and if I would receive, and if I would accept it, Lord, you're faithful to perform on what you say. You're faithful. You're faithful. 